It's time for the best 60 minutes of your life. This is the Homer Hour, broadcasting live from the Gruber Law Office's One Call That's All studio at the Avenue in downtown Milwaukee. Alongside former Packer Brian Balaga, here's Emmy Award winner Homer. of your day or 42 minutes i'm homer brian bulaga is my partner i just want to let you know it's been a tough week this me week for me and my family oh man i'd, I'd have fired him today i'd have called him in and said it's over but maybe that's I, I will bet in your life. I mean, I just, I just can't comprehend this. Even with players, like you bring the family together. Here, here's what I do. It's stuff on the world, and this stuff's going to happen, and we, we can deal with it, whatever. And you never, ever, ever. I need three ever's. Ever bring up family in terms of the week that you've had as a coach in the NFL. Agree or disagree? Ever. Uh- I, I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, I'm so 100% behind you on that. And, you know, I hit it on the program before, right before I got on yeah. here. And it gave me an icky feeling hearing that. It I just wonder did. if a coach in your time playing, if you ever had a coach, whoever said that, it was a tough week for my family based on their football week. I'll bet I'm – Never. I'm, I'm leaning toward never, but there maybe would have been one. But I think that would have been because somebody had a tough family situation that had nothing to do with football. And the media might have said, hey, has it been tough? But as far as football, I believe Brian Bulaga has never had a coach bring it up. Nope. I've never heard it. Yep. I've never heard it. Um, and to me, and you said it, when you get into the NFL, the business of the NFL, player, coach, GM, upper management, whatever, you know, you already know. You have this conversation with your family, your friends, people that you're close to. You're going to hear things. You're going to see things. I'm not going to be perfect on the field or coaching or doing whatever 100% of the time. It's never going to be perfect. And people aren't going to like that. And they're going to tweet things or say things to you or you're going to read things that aren't great. But never Never would I personally, because listen, I was never a perfect Green Bay Packer. I, I wasn't perfect every game. No, not, a, not even close. But never would I have gone to say, and which I'm going to tell Jason Wildey when he comes on, never would I go to Jason the week after I had a bad game and go, man, Jason, you know, what, what, what I've had over the last you know week has been tough on my family and I. Never. I would never go there because I want to separate my family from what I do in that building. They are two separate entities, and I don't want anyone to think that is saying negative things potentially to my family or to my wife or to my brother or to my sister or mom and dad, that that is getting back to me and that's affecting me. 
because that's the last thing that I want anyone to know is that I'm being affected by family pressure at home that we're getting negative comments and we're reading like it's so like to me it's just crossing a line that you don't do you just don't bring that up to the media and I just I didn't like that at all I, I just it it I watched it and listen I feel for the human side of it because that does happen it happens to us every week it happens every week guys get trashed on their wives get tweets or Instagram like it happens all the time but that doesn't mean you you talk about it to the media you move on you deal with that as a family and you just you business is business at the building and that's what it is you talk about the product that you're putting on the field or in this case as a coach the unit that you have on the field and that's what it is if you want to say it's been a tough week it's been a tough week we got it but that doesn't mean you have to say it's been a tough week for my family your family isn't coaching your family isn't on the sideline or in the box. They're not in the meetings with the guys. That has nothing to do with this. So it just it, it rubbed me the wrong way because I've been in a position where I've had bad performances and bad games or a stretch of bad play, and I would never, never, ever, ever. How many times do you say ever? Three or four? It was a, it was a three ever. You might <laughs> yeah. be even more. Yeah, ever bring up my wife or my kids in that interview said it's been tough on us this week. I'd, I'd never do it. Now, here's my next it. question. As a player, you hear a coach say this. I'm assuming your response would be the same. Like, what? Come on. You, you know, like. Fortunately, I never had to do that. Right, so but like, if someone it, had. It, it, it's, it, I know if someone had, but, like, it never happened to me, so it, it's hard <laughs> to even put myself in that in those shoes <laughs> because I don't know what I would say because, you know, from the outside okay. looking on the outside looking in, right, you, you, you look at kind of that presser, you listen to it. It was kind of like, hey, guys, take it easy on me. It's been hard on my family. Like, and as a player, when you're the one on the field and you're not performing, you're not doing it, and the coordinator or coach or whoever then starts putting his family involved, you're kind of like, hey, man, like, we already know that we're not doing our job. We're not playing well enough. Maybe you're not coaching. Whatever it is, but you can't be bringing families into this because that, that's opening up the door for all of us then. That's opening up the door for everybody Right. To have yeah. that excuse built in. And it's just not good. You're right. It's it is an excuse. Good. And I've used it because it's the best excuse now. Whenever you don't do something, the reason I tell people that you should used to be you're sick. No, no. All you say is family. And no one will. No one will. That ends it. No one will bring up anything. You you, you yeah. can't say to somebody, I'm sorry. I don't care what the family is. So everybody just says family. That's the end of it. There's an end yep. of discussion on why someone is. It covers everything. There's nobody second as family. Okay, good. So I brought it up. Missed. Yeah. I've been. I've been gone from work for the last month. Why family? Okay. It's all. It's all. It's all. I've just given everybody the heads up. It's all you have to say. No one will question it. I don't know if you missed a year. They might be worried that maybe yeah. something's up. But the family <laughs> is. The, it is the, if you're looking for the way to get out of any explanation, any concern, anybody second-guessing what you do and what you miss, family, oh, okay, yeah. everything okay? Sure. They might yeah, ask that. Exactly. Right. That, it, that's why I don't like it. it just, I just don't like it. All right, it, I'm it, ready it, to it, move on because only because it, the, the, the issue really, and you would be this, the issue is playing football, and the issue to me is wondering what you would be like after two games – 
like the team had. Do you want to play right away? I, I would assume it's like, I want to, we got to wait too long for this game because I, I just yeah. got to play again because I, I can't stand the way I feel or what just kind of the mood of everything. But I, I maybe I'm making that up. No, yeah, I mean, after two performances like that, back-to-back, you want to get back out there and get that taste out of your mouth as soon as possible. Put a whooping on somebody. Yeah, you you want to go play and and right the ship. And the thing about it is, and the the team, technically, Homer, you look at it, they could still, they still have everything in front of them, right? If they win out, if they win out, they're going to be in. They're going to be yeah, in the playoffs, everybody. They're going, yeah. they're going to be in. So, like, everything is still ahead of them. Yep. They can still do it. So the thing that they just have to get through their minds right now, stop feeling sorry for themselves because that, you know, you get into this place as a as an NFL player where you lose two winnable games. Like, even though Tampa made that game look not winnable at all, um, you, you, you lose two winnable games and you start to feel like, man, it's just not our. It's not going well for us. You know, we 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 rode this high roller coaster, and now we're coming down, and we can't get back up the second apex of this thing. And and you start to feel, but you got to get rid of that thought. It's time to move on. Everything is in front of you. You got to get back on the field, and you got to win a ball game. When you win a ball game, everything is everything in the world feels right. So like, these guys want to get back on the field. They want to play. They want to get this thing rolling in the right direction because. Again, like like I just said, everything's in front of them. They can do it. And these are three winnable games. I thought the last two were winnable. I was wrong, obviously. But these are two, three winnable games. You got to start with Carolina, and you got to move on and right the ship. That's the way. That's the way. As a player, I would be looking at it. As a player, how do you view those losses? Do you view some losses where it's just one of those weeks, nothing went our way, or we just made too many mistakes? I don't know. What's the range of how players feel about losses. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's, you know, the Giants one, I felt, you know, we talked after it, and I said that was that's probably a tape that because it's, you know, short week and probably moved on from it. Hey, we, we th- these things didn't go right. It, it stinks. We didn't play well, X, Y, and Z. You know, maybe show a couple clips and move on. This Tampa game, they watched that. Because that's two weeks in a row now. That it's starting to become a pattern, a trend now. That that bad play, that kind of lackadaisical performance, which is two weeks in a row. That that's becoming a pattern now. So now, since this is a young team, and I'm I'm still not getting off it because they are a young team. Now we need to kind of nip this in the butt again, and we need to go back and watch this, and we need to correct this again. Even though there's veteran guys out there making mistakes, we need to go back and watch this and show everyone. This is unacceptable. So they probably, not probably, they definitely watched this and went through it. And this was probably a tough film to go through. It was probably, especially defensively. Offensively, it was kind of an up-down day. They didn't they didn't play terribly, but there were things left out there that they should have had and, and, and could have done. Doesn't mean they would have won the game. Tampa had a pretty strong grip of that game once they went up 10. I felt Tampa probably never felt like they would, you know, ever get back to an even ball game at that point. But that's a loss that as a player, when you get embarrassed like that at home, we we don't remember they haven't been beat like that since Detroit, honestly, at home. They haven't been beat like that. I mean Tampa had control of that game from the minute it went to seven nothing. You you didn't feel like Tampa lost control of it, which is mind blowing to me. And but at they, home makes the feeling worse because you ex- yeah. 
expect to play better at home or put that in the proper context? Yeah, I mean, you, you at home in December, that was, that was LaFleur's second loss in December, yes. right? Like it was the first second, I knew of his record. Once, once we knew about his record, I think he's one and two. Yeah, like second loss in December in his entire Green Bay coaching career, and it comes against the Giants and the and the Bucks, and and one of them's at home against the Bucks. I mean, you're thinking you're at home, right, against a, a Florida team in the cold, in the elements, out of their out of their comfort zone, and and you're gonna try to impose your will on that team and take the life out of them early, and it's like they didn't even come out of the starting gate, and it's just. You know, and they did offensively, right? They marched down the field and they went for it on fourth and two and Jordan Love missed that throw. And it seems like when he missed that throw, the life just got sucked out of the team. It was like it was, oh, my gosh, we didn't score in our first drive. We've been scoring on our first drive every every you know game now for the last three or four. You know, what's go- and it just sucked the life out of the team and they never recovered from it. So it's it's just a feeling when you play at Lambeau Field against these teams in December that you already have that edge. You already have that edge going into Lambeau Field in December. It's your it's your field, your elements, you're ready for it. The Bucks shouldn't be ready for it, and they were the team that looked ready for it, and they dominated from start to finish, and that is a disheartening thing We um, as yeah. a player. Yeah, we're moving on because on Thursdays, it's Brian Bulaga saying, I want Jay Sewell, and that means about the injuries as well. One note, looking for lab-grown diamonds. Remember, lab-grown diamonds are real diamonds. You look it up, you talk to Robert Hack Diamonds, they sell them at crazy prices. How about two-carat total-weight diamond studs, $999. Robert Hack Diamonds can get any size, shape, or clarity in natural or lab-grown diamonds. Don't buy until you call Robert Hack Diamonds. I'm the one who wants to tell you, go wherever you want. Just make sure you go to Robert Hack Diamonds, because I know when you will. When you do, you'll get it there, and then you'll think, man, how does Homer know this stuff? $999 for a two-carat pair of diamond studs. Robert Hack Diamonds, Greenfield, and in Brookfield, roberthackdiamonds.com. Jason Wildey, next. Jason Wildey is brought to you by Boucher Automotive, where we ride with you every mile. 18 dealerships, 15 brands, and thousands of vehicles in stock. Check them out at boucher.com. And also want to mention Discount Liquor Christmas Week is here. Stop by 51st in Oklahoma and Milwaukee or the corner of Barstow and Maine in downtown Waukesha. I say this. If they don't have it, it doesn't exist. And no one has ever been able to prove me wrong. Discount Liquor has thousands of beer, liquor, and wine in stock for you this Christmas. My favorite segment each week to hear Brian Bulaga, the doctor of football, ask questions to Jason Wilde, the man for Packer football that everybody should ask questions. And he's always, uh, Dr. Bulaga is also the nicest one of the pair of us, so he'll go ahead and start that also. It's a pretty low Jason. bar. Yes, it is. Yep. Jason, how are you doing this evening, man? I'm great. I love that this segment not only has become Homer doesn't do anything, it also is a complete reversal of our relationship for the first 10 years we knew each other in which I was the one always asking the questions. Why? Very true. Yeah. I mean, it, it's crazy how this world works. I'll tell you that much. It is, it is crazy. Yeah, but we, we we missed you on our show this week, so uh, I just want you I, to know you've been penciled in for uh, multiple fill-in dates now for when Tausch is gone, because God knows he's gone a lot. So, so Jason, do you have a question of, of the, the doctor? Do you have a question for Brian? Because I I will certainly entertain that, given you didn't have him. 
I do, my, uh, but it's not anything to do with football, and I, I know our time is valuable. So no, go ahead. Is, go ahead. I, I, this is I all about see, my curiosity, and I'm curious to that, so you get to do it. I see you go with these the wireless earpod, iPod headphones, uh, yep. AirPods. Uh, I have always been non-trusting of the cord, cordless headphone, and now I had some dye on me. Uh, do you feel like your AirPods have been consistent enough in a professional radio announcer's role that you have now taken on that I should finally make the switch? Because if I'm on the phone, I have always corded up. But today my corded ones died, and now I'm mulling being more like Brian Bulaga, which is a scary Yeah, thing they look good. What brand are those, Brian? Yeah, so these that I have on are wireless bows. So these are wireless oh, yeah. bows. And then when I do the uh, Wildey and – Tau show, you know, Jason, your show, I normally do the AirPods because we do it through a different connection. And um, mm. I just I like to do to that. So I think both work great, especially, you know, I think the AirPods are good. I think these bows work really good. And, you know, you charge them, you make sure they're all good. And, you know, you're normally in, in pretty good situation when you start the show. I mean, at least I have. I mean, I know. I mean, these bows, wireless ones i haven't charged them in like three weeks and i turned them on and they were at 45 percent. so like they they got pretty good life in them so and i think these were a pair these were these were a pair i got for free i think back in like 2015 from through the when the nfl had that partnership with bose so like they lasted the test of time i will say that good stuff i I, i'm just telling you that yeah they've lasted all right let's talk football i'm I'm sorry no, but all right, you're going to get. I, I know the doctor always going to start with injuries, so I, I am. My, my big concern, Jason, and, and obviously you're there. What, what's going on with Jane Reed? It, it, he no, did not participate two days in a row. It's kind of a big deal. What's what's the status on him? Yeah, he's got a toe, and he's got his chest still going on. He took a, you know, he had that a couple of weeks ago, and it's been lingering. And then he took a pretty hard hit. Uh, on Sunday against the Bucks, but in talking with him today, you know he's one reception shy of the franchise record for most receptions by a rookie, wow. which is held, of course, by by Sterling Sharp, uh, and which is crazy because uh, he will be if he if he gets two catches and breaks the record uh, in Carolina on Sunday, he'll do it before the 16-game season would have even been completed, right? So that would be pretty yeah. impressive. So are we going to uh, say he's had the so, greatest year as a wide receiver for a Packer rookie? Wow. That would – I mean, I, I have not checked the yardage differential because uh, that would also factor in there, but he's got a ton of touchdowns too. So he's – look, he's been terrific. I think him and Wicks have been really, really good. And, and I, uh, I texted Devontae Adams last night, and I'm hoping to talk to him tonight because – and, and again, I had to say this to Love, I had to say it to LaFleur, I had to say it to Steno, and I had to say it to Jason Vrabel, the wide receivers coach. I am not saying that De- De- Dontavion Wicks is the next Devontae Adams. By no means. He's got miles and miles and miles to go before he's anywhere as good as 17, and I don't mean Anders Carlson. But there are... There are some similarities to their games. And, and I thought Jason Rabel, I want to thank him publicly, because he not only uh, confirmed what my own eyes had been seeing, uh, but also he gave a really good explanation as to why. And that is 
you know, I knew Devontae was a basketball player. Uh, I think he was a three-star recruit coming out of uh, East Palo Alto for basketball and only a two-star recruit for football. Now, he obviously became one of the greatest NFL receivers ever. But both he and Wicks, who could have gone and played basketball collegiately, have that kind of short area quickness that I'm sure Brian, as a basketball player, had it too, uh, where they they can cross you over, they can create space. Their footwork is so good. I mean – he th- that is at the crux of why they they are similar. They they you know again Dontavian has a ways way 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 ways to go, but he gets off the line of scrimmage in a way that I would argue looks a little bit like seventeen. Uh, yeah. He finds bases in the defense. It's just a natural thing for him, which we have seen from other receivers is not very natural at all, and so. You know, I, again, I, I would never put that expectation, but I do think when you see some similarities to a guy's game to someone who is one of the all-time greats, and look, LaFleur is the one who said it to Aikman and Buck before the Monday night game, and today when I mentioned that to LaFleur, he appeared to be irritated that Buck and Aikman mentioned that on the broadcast. So sorry to <laughs> Troy and Joe for getting them in trouble with the head coach. But it, it is there. The similarity is there, and now – I'm eager to see because I have been a Wicks fan from the start. I, I just have been so impressed with him as a kid and as an athlete and his skill set that I'm really eager to see where he goes. But the thing is, is that you got him on one at one part of this equation, and then you got what Reed has done. And again, not to compare him to a guy that you played with, Brian, because you played with both these guys, but he's he's got a lot of cob to him. He's versatile. Yep. He's He's stronger than you expect him to be. He can do the different gadget things. He can throw it. He threw a touchdown against the Badgers his last year at Michigan State. Like he, there, those two guys. And I'm not saying that Goody went into the draft saying I got to get a Cobb and I got to get an Adams. But you do know that Goody trained under T- Ted Thompson, and you know that they have certain things that they like in receivers. So it shouldn't come as a oh, yeah. huge surprise that two guys that were really good when you played with them. Uh, there are some guys that bear some resemblance to those guys now. A hundred percent. I mean, I, I I like both of them a lot. I think they're both really good. And, and you mentioned Tay. I mean, when you watch Tay release from the line of scrimmage, it's like artwork. It really is how he mm-hmm. sets guys up and he's able to release from the line of scrimmage and, and what he does. I mean, and there are a lot of similarities. And, and with Goody, talking about Goody and receivers and Ted Thompson with receivers, I mean – I felt like no matter who Ted drafted when I was there, receiver-wise, they were probably going to be good. Like, they were probably going to be contributors and be good. And Goody's been, you know, fairly good. I mean, especially these young guys right now, they got some good ones. He he hit on them. And I, and I think Watson could be good if he stays healthy with the hamstring. That's a big deal for receivers. If you keep blowing hamstrings, that's kind of a mm-hmm. it's kind of an issue. Like, that's not like a – you know, my knee is sore, or I have tendonitis, or my shoulder. I mean, you you keep blowing a tire as a receiver. That's that's a big deal. So, I mean, I hope that he gets that figured out, and 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 you hit, put those three guys on the same team for a while together. It could be special. It could be. And Jason, Homer and I talked about it to start the show, and I want to ask you about it because obviously you've been covering ball a long time especially in Green Bay, a long time. Have you heard a coach 
tell you it's been hard on his family this week based on the performance of his unit or team on the field the week prior. Have you ever had that happen? Uh, I, I have heard guys talk about the challenges for your family because of the demands on the job, right, of the, mm-hmm. you know, the hours and that kind of thing. Certainly, and, and look, I, you know, and, and I think you, you certainly experienced it as a player and Abby having to do a lot of the heavy lifting with the kids. But now one of the things that's great about being retired and why you're not the offensive line coach at Iowa is because you get to spend time with your kids that you weren't able to do when yep. you were a player. These guys, the sacrifices, like, you know, both Steno and Jerry Montgomery's daughters are in the same grade as Sydney, our youngest. And they play basketball. Uh, against each of their teams, Sydney's team did this weekend. I was there. He wasn't, you know, mm-hmm. and I, yep. I, I hate, I, you know, there's a, she's got a tournament the same day as the game against the bears. So I'm not going to get to be there. And I hate that. And so that's what I hear normally is the sacrifices. I have never heard to my recollection. And, uh, you know, I'm not as old as Homer, but I'm getting old. Uh, I've never heard anyone say what Joe Barry said today that it was hard on him and it was hard on his family. Now, I don't know his, you know, his kids, you know, one of them I know is in high school here, so I'm sure she heard some things. Uh, yep. But I, I don't know, like, was it hard on them because of just they didn't like hearing their dad or their husband, hear, you know, enduring all this public criticism? Or was it like, did they actually like, you know, did his wife go to the local grocery store and, you know, heard people behind the counter at the bakery complaining about the Joe Barry defense. I, he did not expound on that, but that was when he, when he said that, and, and I know there are snarky people that, you know, they don't care. They just want the defense to be better. I, I, I that was, that was interesting that he said that to me, the biggest thing though, and, and look, he, he said it. I asked a question of Basachi about this too. Like, they do know what they signed up for. There's no doubt about it. You would like people to be treated with kindness and respect. I try to do that, even though I have to admit that when Tausch and I were talking about it this week, what I said was, I don't think they will hire, they will fire him, but I think with three games to go, they should. And unfortunately, that's part of my job to give my opinion on something like that. And that was what I said. They chose not to. I take no joy in people losing their jobs. I will say that judging from his mood and some of the things he said, and this is just my observation, but others in the auditorium had the exact same vibe, he felt kind of resigned, uh, beaten down. And, And it makes me wonder if he kind of realizes the handwriting is on the wall. And the great irony is, uh, Evero, the, the defensive coordinator for Carolina, he was in the Packers scouting department years ago. He was one of the people that interviewed for the defensive coordinator job when he hired Barry and he runs a very similar system to Barry, but he's younger. He's a little more innovative. And I I will admit again, at the time, Everall was the guy I, I, I wanted. You know, I really thought, all right, here's a guy who runs the system that they're interested in, that Vic Fangio system, but he's young, he's got maybe some fresh ideas, he's not, and again, I don't say this to be disrespectful, but he's not a retread who's been a coordinator a few other times. 
And Evero is, you know, of all the train wreck that happened with uh, Nathaniel Hackett in Denver, you know, their defense was pretty good. And now Carolina, as bad as they are, their defense is in the top ten in a bunch of categories. So, you know, I, I don't know what the future holds for Barry, but he, his, the vibe and the energy in that room uh, was not was not positive. Yeah, I mean, I listen. I understand the the family aspect of it and obviously abby heard stuff my you know when i played bad or my parents parents or my brother yeah like they all hear stuff but like to me i would have never gone to you the next week jason and be like this has been you know i gave up a few sacks last week it's been really hard on abby myself and my family it just it doesn't matter like like that's just one that's that's one part of my life that I don't bring into the locker room. I don't bring it into media. I don't bring it into football. It's not, it's yeah. not, it, you just don't do that. And it, it makes you feel icky. And obviously, you know, obviously when he brings that up in a press conference, the mood is going to shift tremendously. Cause like Homer said at the start of the show, you bring family into anything and there's almost no more questions about it. It's over. It's done. And there, there's, you, you can't push on that. Obviously, I understand you can't push on that, but when someone brings their their family into a situation like this, you can't really continue to press and and ask more on it because he almost wanted to say, it's been hard on my family. If we could just stop talking about that last week, that'd be great. That's essentially what it was because it's been hard on my family. And to me, it's just a boundary you don't cross in the NFL. It's just not what you do. Yeah, and, and I'll be honest, and, and I thought we were, you know, if, if people get to listen to the entirety of it, uh, I thought we were respectful while still asking the pertinent questions. Uh, but, you know, if you look at some of the replies to Rob Domofsky's tweet when he tweeted out that quote, you know, I think there was one person that replied, well, watching your defense has been hard on me and my family. Like there, there's going to be, there, so good. there's going to be, so be narky replies. And my point, my point is to say, look, if it, when you, to Brian's point, when you bring that in, there are going to be people that aren't going to look at it as, Oh, I feel bad for him that it was hard on his family. There are going to be people that are going to respond like that. And, and I, frankly, they have every right to respond that way too. I wouldn't have made that joke personally, but you know, I, I did think it was important to ask, you know, well, what exactly is wrong here? Like, I still don't believe, and this is one of the many reasons why I was pissed at you for not coming on the show this week. I know you're a busy guy and all. But, like, I always feel like communication is a cop-out. Like, yes, yeah. I understand communication is important. But to me, when Lafleur, you know, retained Barry and then got up there on Monday and just told us that it was all these communication issues, I just, I'm sorry, that, that to me feels like I don't want to tell you what's really messed up so we're just going to blame it on this kind of nebulous, hard-to-define communication problem. And then that way we don't have to get real specific about what's wrong. And what I wanted to do, and I kind of want to jump out of my seat and yell, Matt, if it's communication, that still falls under the defensive coordinator's purview. He's the guy in charge. And I will give Joe Barry credit today. He said it's his job to coordinate everything. It's right in his title. He's the defensive coordinator. And so if he doesn't yeah. coordinate the communication well enough, that's on him. And so I don't think it I don't think it absolved anything. I think you know, I think there were some guys that didn't play very well. I think there were guys that maybe lacked the focus and didn't do what was called. I also think there was a bunch of times when they called zone coverages and they're not very good at zone coverage. And so mm-hmm. they struggled with it. 
and they got matchups where Devondre Campbell is trying to cover Chris Godwin, and that is a train wreck waiting to happen. So all those things piled up, but, you know, we were having this conversation earlier in the year that, and I know this is faint praise, but we kept saying, you know, I don't think the defense has played that bad. I, you know, I think they, they've been, they played enough games where they played well enough to win. And this game and the end of the Giants game have now compounded on each other, and, but they have no excuse this week. Like uh, you know, Carolina Packers, is averaging 14.7 points right. per game. I didn't think that was possible. I looked it up and go, it's got to be wrong. They're averaging and they won a 15, game with nine. Yes, they're averaging yeah. 15 points a game. Oh, wow. Eesh. 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 I mean, right, I, I, go ahead. Go ahead. Doc. I was going to say, I, I agree, Jason. I mean, the, the I, I know we got to let you go, but the communication thing to me, we're, we're almost at the end of the season. I'm done with the communication. Communication right. is done. I'm done with it. I don't want to hear it. It's not good. It's not good enough for me at this point. If you would have told me that week four, I'm buying it. I really am. But and because I've been there, I understand that. I get that. This mm-hmm. time of the season, this time of the season, especially even at home, I'm not buying it. I don't want to hear it. It's yep. not good enough for me. Amen, brother. This segment is so good. <laughs> <laughs> well, <it's, laughs> the last I say. I feel like I'm a listener going on uh, somebody go on Twitter. It'll be me that goes, man, this segment is so good when Homer doesn't talk. And these two guys just talk. Oh, wait a minute. You're Homer. Yeah, that's how good it is. Even I will admit it. Thanks, Jason. All right, guys. Jason. Take care. Be good. Third quarter communications. More next. The light has faded. Saganiac planning have changed. I messed up. Not this part, a name synonymous with employee benefits and top-notch service, but they've been doing it well for over 50 years, family-owned for 50 years. So you come up with level-funded health insurance experts. You find that they can do everything. They can simplify the confusing insurance decisions. Yeah, when you've been doing it well for that long, you're that good. Saganiac Planning, a name synonymous with employee benefits and top-notch service for over 50 years. 262-783, Roger Maris, Roger Maris. 6161. The doctor of football, nobody studies the game as much as Brian Bulaga, even though I tell him it isn't necessary. It's been his life. He doesn't need to watch the game twice. Uh, I didn't ask you earlier because uh, we didn't have the show Monday, so you did, I'm sure, watch the Tampa Bay game twice. I did. I did watch it twice. Um, Since I was traveling, I watched the defense on Monday, and then I watched the offense Tuesday, and I had some I had some things I had going on Tuesday, so I split it up into a couple days. So I, I, watch, I watch it. Just took me a little bit longer than it normally does. Did anything stand way. out? Even I, I, not that I would ever do this because I never watch anything more than once. But that where it was even worse or better, or coaches will always say they learned something from uh, multiple viewings of the tape. I don't actually buy it, but that's what they say. Yeah, you know, I thought obviously defensively it was as bad as we all thought it was I mean it was atrocious it, it was it was really really bad and this like Jason said it on the last segment zone coverage it was zone coverage but we, we were trying to keep our zones five yards away from receivers before they caught the ball then we would try to tackle them I mean it, it, it was it was insane even when the receiver was past the, the scrimmage the, the first down yeah it was it was just insane yeah. like I, I, it was almost like what we did in that last drive 
against the Giants carried right over yeah. against Tampa. It was it was literally unbelievable. Like I, I couldn't believe what I was watching. And then I mean, it was you know they didn't run for like 250 yards like you know has happened to this team. But w- w- whenever the Bucks wanted to run the ball, they'd get five yards no matter what. They got five yards, and it just was consistent. It just continued to happen. It just happened and happened. The only, I mean, the only play that was positive was the sack fumble yeah. that we had. I mean, that was about it. And I after never that, say this. During the game, I said, somebody's got to call the defense coordinator. you got to blitz every play because if you don't blitz, you have no chance for any defensive success at all, which seems like a crazy idea, but that's how it looked to me. Yeah, I mean, it was we were just playing soft zone and didn't pressure. And it was it was unbelievable. Like, I, I, at some point throughout a game, right? You would think that. And again, I know we're we're, we're very Joe Barry heavy today, and and I understand that. Which you know, it, it's kind of the way this thing's falling right now. But you would think halfway through the game, when the original plan does not work, it is not working. It is it is a hundred percent a bad plan that you are going to scrap that and try something completely different in the second half to get your team energized right. and back. All right. I'm glad you brought that up. I want to ask you, how often has that ever occurred? Because you play it. Does it ever occur in your offense? What would you tell people when you say that? We did that in games or when we did do it, when we didn't do it. What's reality in terms of how often or when that might occur? Yeah, so normally at halftime is when major adjustments get made. Major? Major? Adjust- major? Yeah, major. Yeah, like – hey, we went into this game thinking we were going to run the ball heavy on first and second down and, and really just try to stick to that. Then third down, we would, we'd throw it or play action on second. You know, okay. that was the thought going into the well, game. Well, I and ask this you- because I'm wondering if you watch and say, man, I've never seen changes that big. Or, yeah, this doesn't surprise me at all. So huge changes. Yeah, yeah is, for sure. Is Definitely complete thought process of how we're going to try to attack the defense because what we just did does not work. So they'll admit at half our plan was stupid or not stupid. uh, It didn't work. And we have to. A hundred percent. And when's the quickest you can remember in a game when they did that? They ever do that after a quarter where you, they didn't have the halftime, but you could see they, they scrapped what we had worked on the week and it's a different approach or is that too soon? You know, you know, you would never scrap what you worked on. Obviously, the plays are the plays, right? Like, new plays don't get invented right. the week of the game. Like, it's still the – but the your game plan and of formation, kind of your thought process of how you – like, the play calling is yeah. going to happen, how you're going to attack, if you're going to attack uh, a certain side of the defense or a certain player and things of that nature. I mean, I've, I saw that as early as – you know, it would happen in, at the end of a first quarter. You'd start to see a shift in how we were doing things, maybe more play action, more running. Or, and you would or, notice it. I mean, I'm assuming you had to go, wow, that's that's pretty early. Well, yeah, you would you would get into a game, and, you know, you're – especially you'd notice it in the past game where it's like, hey, five-step drop and, and deeper routes. They're not, letting, they're not letting our receivers take the top off. We're going to go more to a quick game and to be more three-step drops, more quick play action, things of that nature. So my bring this up. So for fans to say they got to change, you would say, yeah, that's a legitimate position to have, given what I've experienced as a player. Yes, if they want to, you, you could certainly change the way you are attacking and, and kind of your idea of the way you want your offense or defense to be deployed on a field. There's certainly changes that can be made. It's not just like, well. 
this is what we got. We just got to go execute better. Like it, 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 like sure. Normally when things don't go well, you're probably not executing well, but there's also things that the defense is doing to make you not execute well. So you have to find the coaches and the play callers and, and everyone that's kind of watching this game from the box and on the sideline has to figure out what is this defense doing to take away what we're trying to do and what can we do to counter that? And I thought, in, in at halftime, and I get halftime's not that long, but the, the coaches, they see all these things. They're processing this. There's multiple people up in the booth and doing things, kind of figuring out, getting all this data to these guys that they can make the adjustment, especially defensively. Like, it's not, it's not like offense, and I'm not trying to dumb it down because obviously defense is a complex thing in zones and coverages and disguising and rotation. Like, it is. It's complex. But we're talking about going from a soft zone defense to being attacking again, right? Like do like blueprint and bottle up what we did against Detroit and Kansas city and go deploy that against every team. Be aggressive like that. Get after the quarterback, mix up coverages, do things that confuse defenses besides just sitting back in his own, a soft zone at that. And just allowing guys to run across the middle, sit down in pockets of space where no one's around them. And just play catch. Let the quarterback just play catch with receivers. You can change that after a series, simply a series on that. And it just never happened. And that, to me, like, is a philosophy. Philosophically, just doesn't make it, it doesn't make sense to me because you did it against Detroit. You did it against Kansas City. And then the last two weeks, we're just passive and we don't want to do it for some odd reason. All right. And to, and to me, it just, it, it blows my mind from, from a former player view of it. It just, it, it, it confuses me. All right. This is so good. I don't know if we have time for a two minute fourth quarter drill. Next, we'll find out. We, we need to get the hour up to 68 minutes. I don't know what we have to do to do that. Uh, and go to WisconsinOnDemand.com. Brian Bulaga, the doctor of football, and Jason Wilde were so good. All right, in our final two-minute drill, discount league or Twitter poll question, Carolina Panthers averaging 14.7 points per game this season. How many will they score against the Pack? 0-7, to 8-15, 16-24, to or 25 and over? Doctor of football, Brian Bulaga, what will the number be for the Carolina Panthers Sunday? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say... 16 to 24. I'm more positive than you are. I got 8 to 15. I know you're thinking 16 because they're at home, right? I haven't checked, but I'll bet yep, they average yep. more at home, right? Yeah, I'm guessing because they're at home. Yep. Yeah, so the 14-7 is all games. I'll look at home and away. Any final word? I, I did want to ask you about communications. In communications issues early in the year, is it young players or do some coaches communicate better than others? I mean, what, when, at some point you go like, this is this is too complicated, or there can it ever be that it's hard to get the systems too hard, or is it just, or is it the players, or what? What is, or what yeah, have been you, communication issues? You know, like communication issues to me normally occur early in the season, and it occurs when there is younger guys or All new right. guys and in in, in in important positions in in major communication roles and you're having a hard time getting that message across to everyone. And obviously our first year with coach LaFleur, there were communication issues offensively, obviously Aaron here in a new play caller with a new scheme and things like that. And there were communication issues early on. 
But that got solved pretty dang quick. Obviously, the guy that's communicating, Aaron, um, is high level. So he was able to figure it out past long. But obviously, you know, the offensive line, we were pretty high level so we could communicate. But I don't don't like the communication issue this late in the season. I'm not even going to ask you if the Packers are going to win the game. That is an embarrassment. Pretty dang quick. Obviously, the guy that's communicating, Aaron, um, is high level. So he was able to figure it out past long. But obviously, you know, the offensive line, we were pretty high level so we could communicate. But I don't don't like the communication issue this late in the season. I'm not even going to ask you if the Packers are going to win the game. That is an embarrassment. Yeah. It's not even worthy worthy uh, worthy of your time as the doctor of football. Looking for lab-grown diamonds, Robert Hack Diamonds. I got to say it one more time. This is such a great deal. 2 carat total weight diamond studs for $999. If you look before you're like, "Homer, there's no way." Trust me, way. Robert Hack Diamonds in Greenfield and in Brookfield and they can do it because they have everything in natural or lab-grown diamonds. And by the way, do your work. Lab-grown diamonds are real diamonds. RobertHackDiamonds.com. 52% say the Packers will give up 16 to 24 points. 28% say 25 and over. Come on, people. That's not fair. The Doctor of Football, I'm Homer. Go to WisconsinOnDemand.com. Jason Willie and the Doctor were great. Next.